Let's get cracking. Oh, we got a sign in. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. We're very fortunate today. We have Dominique and Jim Fredericks. Dominic, I don't know your last name. Stump. Stump. Jim, we know from a while ago. And, and Dominic is new, and we're looking to get to come up to date with them. What's new? How is the MPMA surviving or thriving in these challenging times? As I'm, being, I'm being mugged. Joe Buns, the brains of the operation. We are very happy to have Dominique Stumpf, who's the CEO of NPMA, and Jim Fredericks, who wears many hats, but I believe it's VP of Technical... Technical and Regulatory Affairs. All right. And so Jim, we met... Jesus, it's like 10 years ago, before First Strike was First Strike. At, it was uh, in Philadelphia. It right? was in Philadelphia. And it was at, it was their um, think tank. Yeah, basically. There's a word for it. But we were all there. We, our name did not win. Yeah. But whatever. First Strike is still First Strike. So we're here with NPMA um, to answer a bunch of questions from our listeners. But let's start first. Dominique, being the CEO, uh, being a female in a heavily, uh, male-dominated industry. First, how did you get into pest control or NPMA? Were you in pest control first? Uh, I fell into it with, with a blessing and, and disguise, right? I am a history and political science kind of person, now just history. <laughs> uh, that's my passion. So I moved to our nation's capital. I'm from Northeastern Ohio and was looking for a job like most young people and professionals. So I uh, ended up getting a position at the National Pest Control Association at the time and really have just grown through my tenure. I've been there for 23 years and really just love this industry, the people. I've always said, I don't know how I landed in a world where I could use my skills and my passion um, at its best, but I am a caretaker. I love taking care of people and I love working with people. So this association has really, and industry has really allowed me to kind of use those traits personally and professionally. Um, so I guess that's the short story of how I landed here. Um, and it's people like you all who, who really kept me and uh, coworkers like Jim. So that's why I'm here. Jim has a PhD. I believe you did your thesis on termites, right? That's right. Yeah, termites at the University of Delaware. I was one of the few uh, urban entomology students in that whole department there at University of Delaware. Really, before that, that I started, you know, that I got into the industry, it goes back, my undergraduate degree is from the Millersville University. And I wanted to be a biology teacher, of all things. Um, I wanted to be a biology teacher until I found out that in order to be a biology teacher, you have to spend the rest of your life with like 10th graders. And then I was out. And so like uh, control at times. It's like, oh man, like, you know, I did my student teaching. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. So just like anybody else who doesn't know what to do with themselves, I went to graduate school. And that's how I wound up at University of Delaware. But then like grad school ran out, I got all finished up and I needed to find a job. And there was literally a, a job posted with a thumbtack on the bulletin board uh, as a technical trainer. Uh, for a pest control company, I said, you know, why not? Interviewed, they liked the idea that I was a that I was a teacher before I was an entomologist, and I went to work for Home Paramount Pest Control out of Baltimore in 1999, um, and then spent about 11 years with Home Paramount. And now I've been with NPMA for 10 years, uh, so that's kind of how I got into the industry. Wow! I mean, it was years ago when I met you guys. So yeah, uh, yeah, time flies, man. Remember that, yeah. 
So obviously we were talking about COVID and the state of New York. Um, what are the major effects of COVID to NPMA and as and then the follow-up to that is the state of the industry as far as you guys can see? Sure, I can start. Um, I think, you know, for the association specifically, you know, obviously ramping up and really kind of jumping right in and establishing the industries and essential service was our priority and that, you know, so that's kind of been um, a huge, that was a huge lift, right? We were all focused on that in the beginning, but then it was like, okay, how, now now what? And I'm guessing a lot of people think that and really had to look at our business and determine how do we continue moving forward? And I think with just a lot of unknowns, we probably weren't um, moving as quickly as even though we felt like we were moving at lightning speed, really trying to figure out what the next step was um, as it related to, which is a huge part of our business, which is education and, and meetings, so gatherings, right? So when you talk about a 25% limitation, you know, there's a 0%, you know, chance of getting uh, people together in most places around the country in any, in any form. So really, um, I'm, I'm super proud of our team because we've had online learning for a bit. Um, and I think it really kind of pushed us to the next level, but also, and I'm proud of the membership because it pushed them to say, okay, there is a resource here and we can use it, right? And there's value there and there's education. So we didn't need to stop educating the members of the industry. So, um, so I think the online learning and kind of the virtual space has been adopted maybe begrudgingly for most of us and a lot of folks, but I think people do appreciate that they have the access to those things. Um, and then I think, you know, for, so 40% of our revenue comes from Hest World. Uh, I think it's probably 55% of NPMA's revenue comes from meetings in general. So clearly not being able to gather is definitely a mind shift in the way we do business and what the financial outcome could look like. So for this year, we're, you know, we're kind of pushed to make some adaptation of how we do business and, you know, where we can, um, I guess, make adjustments from a budget standpoint. So obviously you guys are super involved in the New York State Association. And, um, you know, I think there's just a lot of things there that we all have to work through. But uh, in the meantime, that's the business part of it. We're uber focused on just making sure we continue to serve the members and do what's best for the industry overall. Um, state that, of the industry? It, Oops, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, with the whole essential services and creating that COVID website, I think everything was so fast that no matter how fast you pivoted, it felt slow because on Monday there was rule one on Tuesday, there was rule three through seven. And, but I think you guys getting that website up quickly. And I know that we certainly checked it every morning to see what the new change was, but that is getting us essential. I know with the, uh, what is that called? Voter, what everything. Voter I, voice. Yeah. The voter voice. Um, I know we use that. We sent it out to all our technicians, but you're right. We were like, yay, we're essential. Okay. What now? <laughs> right. Especially in New York, because we were ground zero, like we often are. And it was just like, I think it was a solid four weeks of every day, something changed. So that was very helpful. Yeah. Like you said, it felt, I, I mean, I think there were people probably, it felt like they were working 24 hours a day because it was just a constant and keeping on top of it. And then like how to communicate, like knowing it and communicating it are two different things, right? So how to get the information out in a way that's digestible and helpful to the masses takes some effort. I don't think we had a weekend until June. Like there was no weekend. There was no, it was just like, what week is this? Oh, it's week five. Okay. What day is it? Oh, it's Sunday. All right. And it, it was like that for a long time, but you know, we wrapped our head around it like we always do. And now we're just trying to move forward. And this yeah. is like something 
in your wildest dreams, you'd never think they would shut down New York. And I had one of the guys, that, one of our guys asked me, he goes, did you ever go through anything like this? I went, no. He goes, is that it? I, the simple answer is no. So, you know, <laughs> so, so this is really serious. I go, yes. There's a saying by Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> all you can do you just put your head down do the best job you can take care of your troops and soldier you run you know and this whole thing from uh you know pest control companies obviously that had a large stake in commercial accounts got hit the hardest because mm-hmm. restaurants got shut down offices got shut down you know businesses were trying to find ways to save money when they didn't have revenue coming in this whole thing you know no matter how terrible it was it it allowed a lot of companies and npma to kind of identify opportunities to be more efficient, to utilize some of the tools, like Dominique said about, you know, for us, like, you know, online learning. Um, we, ha- we were doing some of that, um, but this allowed us to, you know, well, this is what we have to focus on, right? And so we, we focused on that. I think the first, after the first or second week, we, we set up a webinar. And normally our webinars, you know, we, we get a nice amount of people on those webinars. I think we had like two or 3,000 people registered for our webinar on, you know, on what's happening. And we were just, you know, as it was coming in, we were trying to get it out. We did it through the website. We did it on the, the webinar. And it's like, okay, people are starting to adopt this. But, you know, pest control companies, um, you know, start thinking about like, all right, all those, you know, mid-sized pest control companies that were thinking about putting together a call center. Well, guess what? Week one, you had a call center because everybody was home and everybody was taking calls. You know, all right, maybe my technicians will work from home. Maybe I can find some efficiencies there. Guess what? All the technicians are now working from home. You're doing, you're doing video, you know, you're doing FaceTime, Zoom check-ins every morning, or you're doing check-ins in the, in the parking lots, or maybe your technicians are just out and you go see them. Um, it made pest control companies, I think, take a hard look at some of those things. And some of them will continue to, you know, after this is all over, I think some of those things will be adopted long-term. Um, other things will go back to the, the way they were, but I think it's, it's allowed us to, you know, test some of these ways to be more efficient and sometimes more effective. Um, so, you, you know, you try to look at the bright side a little bit and hopefully we'll be able to take some of these lessons away. I would agree. I mean, as an owner, there are things that you think about doing and it's so new and out of the box that you hold off on it. And you're like, no, that's a little bit much. I'm not going to get the same product productivity production. And this has forced us to one, do it. And then two, realize like, Oh, all right, this ain't that bad. And we, we actually talk about it on the podcast about just think about all the true out-of-the-box thinkers, the you know, high-level, the you know, the trillionaires and billionaires of the world who already had these people that were so out of the box. Even they've had to go beyond their normal, I'm so ahead of everybody, and not not in a facetious way, but they just are so advanced in their thought processes and doing things. And now here they are forced to do it again and i think we're going to see a lot of new things that come out of this that we still want to meet in person but we don't need to new york new york state was very difficult with online learning and now they're a little bit more lax because of covid which has allowed us to incorporate in our zoom meetings now we're getting credits we're teaching them we had training scheduled in like march and april and they didn't approve it yet so we're still doing the training because for us it's more than just credits but now we're also getting the credits for it. So I I agree, there's a lot, even for us, we were looking to buy a building because of our growth. Now I'm saying like, 
I'll have people work three days one week and two days the next, and we'll share workstations and get more productivity out of that building until we have to spend more money on a new one. So 100%, it's, it's changed a lot, but I, I think once this is all said and done, we'll all see it's for the better. Mm. I hope so. One other thing too is like about, I think people took it, I guess, took it for granted. We took each other for granted, people, right? And so I think now people are, are very much have the desire to be with people and to, to connect with others. Um, so I think alien, you know, the alienation or isolation for a lot of people are like, Oh, I, I don't need all that. Or, you know, who needs to go to that meeting or who needs to see people? I think people now are kind of like, no, I do. I do need to see people. Like, so I think, you know, for associations, I think, and for the industry, I think they'll be good. I think people are going to come back and they're going to be engaged and they're going to be really desiring that you know that moment in time where we can all be together in person so i think people are utilizing the tools provided but looking forward to the day where we can kind of go back a little bit and take advantage of both i would agree a hundred percent so another question that we get all the time uh even at the state level is the one-man operators and the smaller companies maybe two or three technicians that always think they don't they either don't need it don't have the time for an association. So well, I guess what, what are the main benefits of NPMA for the one man operator to like a midsize level? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, a one man operator or one woman, one person operator um, is, is a tricky question. I'm sure it does struggle because it, I mean, the question to me is always a little bit like, well, what's your plans for the future? Right. So then let's start there. Um, if your plans are to grow, um, you know, I think that's a much bigger, easier, you know, answer, I guess. There's so many resources and the value for connecting with others and learning and the education and training, the mentoring, the affinity programs, all those, those are things that really help you grow as a business because you don't have to figure it out for yourself. Like there's people there and resources there that are going to help you through that. Um, and this is an amazing industry and what sets us apart from most others is that we're willing to share. Um, you all are very open, obviously, even like your podcast are a great example. You want to share information, share about business, share about how to do it better, not just from a business perspective, but from pest control too. So I think that's, that's a big place. But so if you're talking about like a, a one person operation that maybe they're just happy doing what they do and, you know, just want to know, Hey, why would I be a member? But I want to kind of continue doing who I am and what my business is. I'm not looking for to be a, a $5 million or $10 million operation with a bunch of employees that I, you know, I don't want to pull my hair out over. Um, I think it's things like the model contracts. It's the safety things that we can provide that will help them really, I guess, garner the most benefit from the business they have and making the most earning potential. So protecting them, not just, you know, declaring the essential service and all the regulations. I mean, those are huge, but usually when people are asking that question, it's not the intangible things they want to hear about. It's the things that they can put their fingers on. Um, so I think those things like, um, they're probably not interested in a website, probably not interested in, you know, marketing materials, but if they are, if they're going to be unique, we certainly have all those, you know, the, the fancy bug pictures they have access to and all the marketing kind of guidelines and things like that. But I think the big pieces is probably the model contracts and then access to some safety programs and things like that that could really help them um, protect the business they're, they're happy having, right? So that's, that would be what I'd say. Um, what do you think? Jim? I'm, well, I'll tell you, I immediately go to the technical stuff, naturally. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think about the, the small companies that will utilize our um, entomologists on staff. We have three, uh, well, we have four full-time entomologists on staff, three are PhDs. And uh, not that that means anything really in the big scheme of things when it comes to pest control. Um, but uh, that's a great resource for, um, you know, for somebody. And, and we've talked people through things on the job, you know, tell me what you're looking at, um, you know, FaceTiming with people on a job site to kind of, you know, give, give me an idea about what, what this could be. Insect ID service. Um, in some cases, um, you know, companies will use the insect ID service we have to, um, you know, they're just baffled, like, what is this thing? Um, but other times, I just want to get a confirmation, you know, my, this is what I think it is. I need to give my, my client a positive ID. And then they can say, all right, we send it off to the National Pest Management Association to give some credibility for a small operator. Um, we think that's important. Dominique mentioned that the safety stuff, um, especially as you start to grow, um, OSHA can be um, a nightmare. And so we actually have an OSHA toolbox that gives, you know, it's an underutilized resource, the, the OSHA toolbox um, at qualityprotools.org. Um, that's available for all NPMA members that kind of steps you through all the major parts of what you need to do to be compliant with OSHA, gives model um, programs, gives model, um, uh, you know, uh, forms and things like that that you need to make sure that you're, you know, you're not just not setting yourself up for disaster. You know, those are probably some of the things for a small company. Um, as soon as you get into those mid-sized, uh, mid-sized companies, it really depends on, like Dominique said, where are you where are you heading? You start to get into the need for help with regulatory services. Um, you know, I think about, you mentioned with the state of New York and online training and CEUs. Um, that's something we faced early on with this whole COVID thing. We had states that just weren't prepared for remote and online learning. Um, we had, you know, a lot of states were doing paper, pencil, um, uh, certification testing and licensing. And, and yeah, yeah. Like, so, okay, well, we shut it all down. Now, how do we hire new people? How do we get new people in? How do we get them certified? How do we get them recertified? And, you know, to their credit, some of the states are, are moving forward now. And this was the push. And a lot of that was, you know, we'd like to think we took some credit. We'd like to take some credit for that because we, you know, we worked hard on uh, uh, through the, our regulatory team as well as through the state policy affairs reps, the SPAR program, to kind of push states to, to rethink the way they're uh, they're looking at these things. So, you know, I'd like to think there's a ton of benefit for small, medium, and then large size companies as well. I, I would agree with you. at the state level. We have these arguments all the time. Um, thankfully, the people that join the state association, it's part they become an MPMA member. But um, my biggest thing from as a small, even if you're a one person operator, just if you sign up for all the emails and whatnot, is getting as laws change. If you, like Dominique said, if, you, if you're happy just being that one person and you're making X amount of dollars, you're, that means you're running around, you're doing the books and then- No vacation. Probably no vacation or no real vacation. No, I lived it, I know. But um, <laughs> we're also in growth mode. We do know a lot of people that in certain states where they just work for five months a year and then they're relatively off, which is cool. But either way, NPMA, just having all of that information on what's going on, you still are up on what's going on in every state. And then we get that voter voice thing. Hey, send this. And, and I've got to tell, I remember when that first came out all the way back when Bob Rosenberg um, was around and um, it was before all the associations merged and you guys, NPMA was kind enough to let the city association adopt voter voice, which made sense anyway, because it was for the betterment of the state and the industry. 
Um, and we loved it. So I, there are a ton of benefits. And Pest ID one is one that we use all the time. We just had a weird one with Bethany? Brittany. Brittany. We thought it was a, mo- a plaster beetle and then she wasn't sure. So we ended up actually mailing multiple yeah. samples there so she could get it. And we, we got the, the proper ID and we were able to alleviate the customer's problem with the proper ID. And they were impressed. You know, some of this, some of business in general is dog and pony show. So they hear NPMA, entomologist, woo, and all solve the problem. So it was great. That I think is a one-man operation. That pest ID, that's a home run because I remember one of my first big accounts was like an Ivy League club, and they got these insects. I don't know what the hell they are, and I'm going around looking. Luckily, I met this old exterminator. He's probably younger than I am now, but uh, I showed him it, and he goes, "Sorry, a wharf beetle." What the hell's a wharf beetle doing on a squash court at this club? <laughs> you know, say, hey, it's a wharf beetle. Like, oh, pretty good, kid. You should. I go, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, you know, now with this, go online, bingo. You would have got the answer quicker, but it's, it, it's just like night and day with all the stuff that's offered now. In my day, the whole thing was go to class, get your credits. At the class, you talk to other guys that were ladies that had more experience than you. And one of my fondest things was I had a problem. This guy's got the same problem. Let's talk about it. Wait a minute. This guy had the problem and he solved it. But I couldn't go online and get the answer that quick. I had to wait for the monthly meetings. I'll run into these guys in the street, you know. So I think it just makes things a lot of quicker. And, and, it, and if you're one-man operation and you want to get bigger, I think you get a lot bigger a lot faster than I did because it took me about 12 years to really take a decent vacation. I think I could do it in half the time now. Well, yeah, and techn- technology has helped with that. Like Jim said, even with call centers and stuff like that, I mean, realistically, we had all that in place where everybody could work from home in the office. Um, and it took us literally one day to set it all up. And I think that's, that's the key. There are a lot of um, businesses now that will be a call center. Um, Grit PPO is one in our area. And um, I know a lot of people that are starting businesses that don't even have an office. Once you have something like that, you have a professional doing it, it just allows you to focus on other things. There's certainly that way to approach NPMA is, you know, that we have kind of resources and benefits that we want to provide. And it's really a conduit to get information out to the industry. So you can take that step to just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, absorb it as it comes in, you know, you get that email and you find out the information. But then as soon as you get to that level, and you're able to step away from the business a little bit, and start to interact and get involved with the association, then I think it just becomes exponential because the, the networking and the mentorship opportunities just explode. And you start doing what Ed was talking about. Uh, you know, you start, oh, you had that problem or I got this problem and how'd you fix it? And this is what I did. And next thing you know, you know, it just, you know, the possibilities are endless and you start doing that on a national basis. And then you get that out of the box idea from the West coast that hasn't been implemented, you know, on the East coast yet or, or vice versa. And now you're, now you're an innovator in your own, in your market. Uh, so it's, 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 that's when it becomes really valuable. I, I remember I went to a termite seminar and whoever it was, was, sort of droning on. So I'm sitting next to this guy and uh, break was time. That me, was that me teaching? Maybe 30 years ago. And I had this bat problem. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
meet this guy at the bar and we're talking and he's telling me his problems. I helped him, whatever it was. And I told him I got this bat from bats? You know what you gotta do for bats? And he gave me this whole thing for bats. So I, I didn't learn much of what, I'm sure I must have learned something new about the termites, but I learned a lot more about the bats and, and it helped me more in business at that time, you know? So that interaction and, and you know, the guy's my friend, it was my friend, he passed away, unfortunately. But um, I missed that. At the bar was where I learned a lot of stuff. And at other bars, I made a lot of mistakes. You still learn lessons either way. Balance. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Are you guys seeing people canceling dues? Like, this goes back to the state of the industry. Are, are people holding off? Are you seeing people, unfortunately, going out of business? So, actually, our retention has been, and hopefully, I mean, I think you guys are seeing the same thing at a state level, um, has been really strong. Um, I think our attrition might be a little bit a little bit more than usual. So typically ours is about 10% annually. And you have to keep in mind that's, you know, that could be M&A. I mean, there could be all kinds of reasons on why. It's not necessarily just because they don't want to be a member any longer. So I think it's probably about an additional two to 5%. And some states are more impacted than others. And again, the reasons could be different. It doesn't have to be COVID related. Um, but overall, our membership is very strong. I think the states also have, the members have recognized the state associations and with national of all the support that was given through this time. So I think it's been a really great boost for the associations. Clearly businesses that are struggling, uh, particularly those smaller businesses that are predominantly commercial, um, I think those are the ones that have been challenged. But I know we've probably received minimal requests, but any requests that we have, they're kind of like, hey, how do we how do we work together? And we've figured out a plan that just allows them to continue being members because um, the desire is there. And as long as there's a desire to be a member, we want to do what's great for them too. So it's been good. I mean, I, I think from a membership perspective, we have been blessed. There is no question. That's good to hear. Yeah, definitely. So obviously the question that every, <laughs> is on every PMP's mind is Pest World being wow. virtual. <laughs> So, I just like that you say every every PMP is thinking about pest world. That's exciting. <laughs> in my circle, everyone's talking about it for sure. You know, there's all of these all social media groups that obviously everyone I know that's involved is, you know, getting that text, are you attending? But then other, other people are talking about it in their chats. Like, what do you think it's going to be like? So what a uh, pest world virtual, let's go. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to stay big picture in non-education, uh, and I'll let Jim kind of cover some of that cool stuff. So, I mean, listen, it's going to be different, right? Just like this conversation is different. Uh, we're not in person. We're not um, going to exchange a cocktail at the bar or, you know, grab a cup of coffee in the morning. We understand that, but it is, we are committed to and um, promising to deliver what we think will be the best virtual event experience that you will have during this time and have invested a lot of time and resources into making sure that the experience is there so that virtually you're not just sitting on a Zoom or in a webinar where you're kind of just the recipient of information, but you're not being able to kind of dialogue or have interaction. Um, we've learned a lot. Luckily, um, our show being in October has given us the opportunity to kind of really peruse and watch what other associations are doing and other industries and really to say, 
like that, don't like that, right? So we really have really kind of honed in on the things that we think are critically important. And I think like Ed said, a lot of that is the interaction. So the keynotes, they're still gonna be awesome, just like in person. I mean, just will be in, a, um, in the comfort of your own office or homes and not in a big cold ballroom on a possibly comfortable chair, uncomfortable. And then, you know, the uh, exhibit hall, we'll talk about that in a minute, that'll be there. The education, I'm gonna let Jim cover that, but we're gonna have all those things, just like you were there, the piece that you're like, how do I get to the interaction piece? Um, that's been a huge focus and drive for me is to make sure that people feel like they can connect with one another. So in this, this right here is as good as we're gonna get. It's me seeing your face on a screen and us having a dialogue. So how do we do that? So we're having round tables each morning where people can come in, they're gonna jump into rooms, if you will, and have conversations. We have topics, but we're more about like, we just want people to feel like they have an opportunity to get together and have conversation, whether it's about business or about their favorite football team. Um, so, but we have two really interesting topics that we are offering and we have kind of a facilitator to help through that. But we think the opportunity to dialogue is important. We're gonna have coffee chats. Those are really gonna be the, what's your favorite football team? And um, some of the other things where people can get together. So it's really just saying, hey, here's moments in time throughout the convention where instead of sitting at the bar or the coffee shop, you're gonna be able to actually talk with folks and actually connect with your peers. Um, we're gonna have networking lounges and places too where they can, where you can stop in and actually connect with our NPMA team um, and talk with us as well as other members too. So I think that's that's the biggest piece that you know we really wanna focus on is it is going to be different. I'm not sure if you've seen any of the stuff online, but I can, we can send it to you after, but you can go in. It's like you're walking into a lobby like as you think about your little meme walking in and then you're in a lobby and then there's just like all these things around. So it's like almost gamification. And I'm like an eighties girl. So I haven't played arcade games in a really long time. It's not my thing, but um, you know, you're like, you basically are pushing buttons in different places. Like, Hey, I want to go to, you know, I want to check out the general sessions. You can go in there. I want to go to education. I want to go to the networking lounge. I want to check out the NPMA engagement center or the round tables. So it's almost like walking into the convention where you're like reading all the signs. I'm like, where do I go? What's next? Um, and then of course, you know, you'll have your schedule. Um, you have content you can download and keep so you can kind of briefcase all the materials. I'll let Jim talk about education and then we'll come back to the exhibit hall. You know, one of the things that at these meetings, some guys dress up to the nines and we've all got new clothes and stuff like that. When I was president of New York City Pest Control Association, one night I put on a fashion show and they went crazy. Uh, I don't know why we never repeated it, but you might think of doing something like that, just to, you know, exterminators aren't considered to be fashionistas, but you'd be surprised how many of them are. Well, we have some networking opportunities and we actually talked a little bit about that. So we say networking and that like they're actually, we still are hosting receptions because um, those are other networking um, opportunities that we gather folks together. We're, I was like, well, normally you would never plan an event without time for people to go change their clothes, right? They want to wear something different or special from particularly the ladies from their classroom, but I think for the gentlemen too. So we did talk a little bit about that. We're like, it'll, it'll be fun to see. I bet you, I'm like, I bet you people will. People will get dressed like they were going to an event. A lot of people uh, miss getting dressed. Yep. You go to a meeting, it's on here. Okay, today I put on a good shirt. When we do some of these interviews and we're just doing it, there's no video. Yeah, okay, just got out of bed. What are we talking about? 
It's a whole different. Well, thank you. It's a, it is a nice looking shirt you have on today. <laughs> Did you guys have to find um, a new type of software or are you going to able like Zoom or MS Teams or you had to get something special? Yeah. So a really cool thing, and it's kind of like you were saying earlier how the industry has to adapt. Well, obviously, we're not the only industry, right? Everybody's adapting in some way. So virtual platforms is kind of the key word I guess people are using. They are have been around for a long time, just like our online learning. But the key thing was is it was always kind of a delivery. It wasn't really an interactive or dynamic kind of platform that they were offering. So I think they had kind of been moving in a, in a good direction. But then when this happened, all of a sudden it accelerated the development and the opportunities because it became the virtual trade show. That was the piece that was really difficult. Even with all the research I know the team did on different platforms, that was a piece that we found to be the most critical. Like we were like, we have got to have an interactive virtual trade show. How, how do you do that? And a lot of platforms just aren't offering it. So because it is one of the more difficult things to do. Um, so we have um, landed on a platform that we're really excited about that does offer that virtual trade show component. So we're not investing in biscuits anymore. We're investing in technology um, to make sure that the experience being delivered is, you know, is what we hope it to be um, great for everybody. So how is it going to work? I don't know if Jim was going to get into that. Now I was gonna. Well, I was gonna tell you two things. First of all, that I love the idea of the virtual uh, uh, fashion show, which it would certainly be interesting because we're trying to think outside of the box. And so, as part of the closing session, we're actually doing um, like a virtual talent show. Um, it's called Pest World Pop Star. And so, there's you know opportunities to kind of just have a little bit of fun, let people showcase their personalities and their special their special talents. And so, that's not too far off, Ed, um, from one of the ideas that that we are going to implement. So. Um, and then I think about, you know, one of the things that we think is really valuable about Pest World every year and why a lot of people come is for the educational value, right? Um, there's lots of CEUs. We typically have 60, 70 um, educational sessions over the course of three days. Um, but under normal circumstances, they all run concurrently. And so you might have nine different sessions that are happening at the exact same time. Uh, one of the complaints that we get is that we always have the program's too good. Like there's like three different speakers I want to hear at the same time. This year, um, some of that, some of that, uh, some of those talks will be live. So they'll be scheduled at a certain time and they'll be pushed out and they'll be very much a uh, very similar to a webinar, but there'll be some additional interactivity. Um, let's such as like a live chat with this, with the speakers and having, you know, some live webcam questions at the end. But there'll also be about 20 sessions each day that are released that are on demand. And so you don't have to sit in front of your computer all day, but instead you can take advantage of, instead of a total of nine credits under normal test world circumstances, now you can get like up to 30 hours of credits um, through Pest World. And so it actually, it's, it's even more valuable in terms of education and continuing education. Uh, this year because you'll be able to do it at your own pace. Uh, and so, you know, that's, you know, we think that's going to be really valuable. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of like getting some exposure to Pest World and getting as many people uh, from your company as possible there, um, you know, this is also an opportunity to get more people to Pest World from your company. So if you're an owner and you've always come, this might be the year that you consider, well, you know what, I don't got to pay for a flight. I don't got to pay for 
Um, you know, pay for meals for a week. I don't got to pay in the case of you guys bail money, you know, while I'm in, in, in Nashville, you know, maybe I'll bring that general manager along or maybe I'll bring that branch manager along who never would have went before and get, get them exposed to NPMA. So you really did your research with the bail money, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, another big thing and, and, uh, my father, you know, spoke about this and was asking it on one of the podcasts recently, the vendors and the exhibitor hall. How's that piece going to work? You know, you can't see Paulie Carbino, can't hug him, stuff like that, you know. In terms of education, I, I, I say that, you know, you could get, you can get some education in the, in the classroom, but some of the best education happens on the exhibit hall floor, exactly. right? Because you get to, you know, get, this is that time when you're just, you know, interacting, you got, you got stuff, you get to feel it, touch it, talk to people you haven't seen in a long time. And that's the hardest part, like Dominique said. And I think we're, we're trying hard to, to give as much opportunity for that interaction in the exhibit hall as possible. Um, Dominique, do you want to talk about it or do you want me to a little bit? Sure, I, you can fill in any blanks for sure. But basically, you'll be going into a, a hall, if you will, and you'll see all the different vendors there. You can search by company, by products, um, or type of products and services. Um, and then there'll be a booth, and it will be like a, a virtual booth, and it'll have like signs and different different areas where it'll say like you know what are our products, so you can you know, kind of click on a menu, if you will, and it'll, t it'll give you an opportunity. So from the vendor's perspective, it's a lot of digital um, content. So whether it's marketing material, pictures, pamphlets, so all the stuff they do and serve on, and then they have opportunities to create a chat so they can actually be like, you know, it'll say, hey, you know, Joe, stop by. And you can be like, hey, Joe, I see you're here. Let's talk. Um, and if they want, they can actually connect in through a Zoom link as well. So they can actually talk with you. Definitely, you know, I think everybody's learning um, at the same time. And I think some people are going to be a little bit more taxed than others. Um, I think those people who can really think outside of the box, like if it were me, I and I had products, like Jim said, the touch and feel. Well, I can't necessarily give you a touch and feel, but I can do a show and tell, right? So, you know, being in a place where you can show things and um, really kind of illustrate your product or service, I think is that can be very dynamic. So there's a lot of opportunity. It's just a, a lot of times it's kind of um, limited sometimes, I think, for people, particularly smaller businesses that maybe haven't kind of ramped up their business to the to this time period where a lot of stuff is digital. Maybe they just don't do their business like that. So I think um, those are some of the, I guess, challenges, but the platform is there. They can put whatever they have in there and we can help them and either way they'll be present, right? So they can be there and they can interact with people, um, connect with them. They'll know who has stopped by to see them. So there's list, the data uh, provided through the platform is bar none, 20 times better than what you can get that would be provided from the show floor. How many vendors, you know, say, oh, I saw people kind of perusing through my booth, touching things, looking at things, maybe grabbing some pamphlets. Well, now you'll know who did it. Like you'll actually know, oh, wow, this person stopped by and they, you know, took something about this service or product so they can follow up with them. So it's kind of a little bit more meaningful um, reconnect, if you will, if you miss that person. Because I think a lot of times that is the case, even in a live show, people kind of, cruise through, but they're intimidated or maybe somebody's busy and so they don't have the time to connect. That's kind of, I'm, I don't know if that helps. It's hard to wrap your head around. And we've seen it, I mean, a hundred times and it's still like trying to explain it and walk. You want to be like, it's like you're in a video game and you're walking in and you're, you're a part of the game. 
<laughs> you know. Point that I, that I was just thinking in my head. You know, I remember the first time and the last time I went to one of these meetings, these annual meetings. It's like you went into this room and it was so exciting and all of this stuff. My God, I got so what is in my head now is is when you open up the vendors section, some good music and boom, something pops out and stuff's flying. You know. <laughs> music that creates excitement and oh yeah I, I mean you can't you can't you're never going to be able to do it exactly but it I mean to me it was always exciting when whoo let's get in here and see what's happening meet some old friends and whatever so mm -hmm. I don't know that's it's hard to recreate that excitement of walking taking that first step into the pest world exhibit mm -hmm. hall I know the feeling you're talking about there's something special about that yeah it's hard to recreate that you know on a computer screen oh, yeah. Um, and so it's going to be different. Like Dominique said, it's going to be a, it's going to be a different experience, but we want it to still be a meaningful experience. Um, in addition to, you know, being able to give, uh, give and get information. Uh, there's also some opportunities to get, you know, do a personal connection. So, you know, in those booths, they'll be able to, you know, pop out to a, a zoom chat. So you'll be able to see Paul Carbino or whoever it is you need, you need to see, you know, face to face. It's hard to hug through the, through the through the, uh, through well, the, the computer, but you know it's COVID, so it's, you know it's, it's social distancing. We just keep the screen <laughs> between you guys. We feel like it's going to be really valuable, and we're trying really hard to make it that way. I can see that. You brought up music, so something we're excited about, and something that we thought was important too is you know people look forward to going to destinations, right? So I'm sure. I mean, everybody loves Nashville. I don't know. I, I've never met anybody that's like, oh, I don't like Nashville. I mean, it's a fun town. The live music is amazing. You you know, and it has all different kind of music now. You don't have to be a country like fan. So one of the things that we really focus on too is creating kind of fun experiences throughout the convention schedule. So you'll find um, we're internally we call them commercial breaks. I don't know how it'll look externally but so we're actually going to have some like a commercial there'll be videos so we'll have some of our sponsors will have opportunities to maybe address you know the attendee base will you know the association was will highlight some things going on uh, for the association and then we're actually gonna have some fun like live entertainment like somebody from nashville you know giving giving some you know just a break, a mental like, ah, oh, yeah, this is nice. And of course, if people want to take a break, they take a break, right? Um, that's fine. Um, we'll have a fun zone where we're going to have lots of different things there for people to take take time if they're like, hey, I'm looking for something just to relax and I don't want to go to an educational session, just like live, right? How many times do you like, I know there's nine sessions to go to, but maybe I'll find something else to do. We actually are providing you something else to do right there. You don't even have to leave. We can't give you a drink, but we can at least give you give you something to do while you're getting one. So there's going to be some interesting, fun components to it that we're um, excited to be able to offer that kind of just bring the the destinational experience to you as well. It sounds it sounds great. Another question that has been kicked around is size of booths obviously you have the bigger companies during a live pest world that have what seems like you know ten thousand square feet of space and then you have the smaller people that have that one booth that's maybe 400 how did that work and how did that affect you guys at mpma because those big booths obviously garner a lot more revenue sure well we have i think on the live trade show floor we probably have i don't know maybe a 10 different size booths, you know, based on, you know, the companies and what they're looking to invest. 
Um, we have four now with a virtual. So you'll have the standard quote unquote 10 by 10. So it's a smaller standard booth. Um, and then we have the largest. Um, so the, the differences in those really is kind of asset, we call them assets, so content. So what, what kind of stuff do you wanna show videos or you know the connections through the Zoom chats? How much content do you wanna show? How many signs do you wanna show? So that kind of drives a little bit about like what the booth size is. So it's kind of similar in the aspect of a, a virtual versus you know physically in person. From a association perspective, sure. I mean, that's definitely, um, the trade show is, is kind of a driving economical impact for us. Um, so we, we have kind of done the numbers and we expect to have quite a significant you know, decrease in uh, revenues in that space. Um, so that's just, one of the, that's just one of the pieces we have to work through. But the people that are there and the people coming, we are like, we're still gonna make sure it's the best. So we hope that people join us and they'll be there and we think they will find great value from it. Going from live to virtual, I mean, you have a ton of staffers at the live one. Has virtual upped the people power needed or lessened it? I'll let Jim answer first. <laughs> it feels like, uh, and we, we're laughing because it uh, feels like we've never worked so hard to put on a pest world. Um, in, you know, in, in, a, in a live pest world, a lot of that work begins in January, right? We start planning pest world, honestly. The meetings teams before that, but for the technical team, we start putting together the program and speakers and kind of coordinating all that with the states back in January. By the time we get to September, it's like if it's not done, you know, it's you're, yeah, it's not getting done. Like it's just too late. But now we feel, you know, th this year is different, and so we're we feel like, uh, you know, from a staff point of view, we're all we're all hustling and and, and we're working really hard. Um, you know, in addition to our staff. Right, which is uh, Dominique is going to correct me when I get this wrong because I should know, but it's 28 people uh, mm -hmm. in Fairfax. Um, we take almost everybody to Pest World on a typical year, um, and then in addition, we typically hire some temp staff to help us with some of the, you know, some of the other kind of, you know, staffing some of the registration or, uh, you know, or some of the uh, educational stuff. Um, but we've. Um, this year, in addition to our, our staff, we've we've hired some uh, some contract staff who are experts in particular areas. So some meetings and exhibits people who are helping those exhibitors kind of step through the process of setting up all the assets for their booths. Um, uh, and so uh, you know we're we're working to make sure that um, you know it, it, we get that you know it's it's everything we can do to make it the best possible. And so in some cases. It's you know it's getting the right people in the right places, but uh, but staff is staff is hustling right now. I would agree. It's like it, kind of we were saying that everything's moving so fast. It feels like lightning speed, but it also um, at least my perspective, I look at it. I'm like, when is the turtle getting across the road? Like it just feels like everybody's hustling so fast, but things move so slow, and and it's because we're doing something we've never done before. And you just your expectations and how it gets done and how fast it gets done and um, it's just kind of having that level of um, I guess comfort or you know is is challenging. But um, we have, like Jim said, we've invested in some contract staff to help us through it. We also have um, a, a production company which you guys can appreciate, um, and then we have uh, all the people that are working on the virtual platform too. So there's a lot of people and. I guess bandwidth behind it that um, kind of complements what we're doing as an internal staff. A lot of what we're doing is really 
helping the speakers and the exhibitors, you know, really helping them understand the process and making sure that they can make it the best they can from their perspective. Um, so that's, that's a huge part of it. And then obviously communicating with the, the industry, like, what is it? What's going to be offered? What's the education? What does it look like? So um, it feels probably about 10 times the amount of work, um, but it's also a very, like Jim said, a compressed timeline, I think, to some degree. When everything gets back to normal, right? Let's fast forward to October of 2021, and we're live pest world. Do you think that you'll maintain this virtual experience? Has it been discussed, or are you kind of wait, <laughs> waiting oh. to see? No, but like uh, as, as an addition, like if you can't come, if you can't come, yeah, that's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, first of all, I think. I don't know what normal looks like anymore. I feel like the word normal pivot, I think there's probably a couple other ones that were like, let's never say those ever again, <laughs> right? But um, I think it will be new. I think there's going to be some good opportunities that we're gonna learn from this. Um, and I think there's some benefit to it that will help us, you know, whether it's in the international market, um, we're hopeful like the guy you mentioned in New Jersey, you know, hopefully we'll be able to touch some folks that have never had the opportunity to attend an in-person meeting before. Hopefully they'll join us in Vegas. But then there's also kind of even now the one person operator. Now they have the benefit of being able to participate possibly not just this year. Maybe we'll be able to do more things in the future. So I think it's going to be a combination. Are we looking to change our like what pest world is? No. We, we love it for what it is. We think it, it's an amazing asset for the industry and the association to continue. Obviously important for us from a business perspective. But also we're learning that we need to branch out and do things a little bit differently too. And I think some of those kind of, I, even the word hybrid, I think we all agreed that's a bad word too, because trying to do two things at the same time, we have no idea what we were thinking that was going to be our plan. Um, but maybe offering something that will allow people to have a touch of the experience if they're not able to come, I think is something that we will definitely look at and figure. Um, and that will be the metrics, right? And analyzing who came, who was there. You know, were they people that would normally attend or did we get new people? Are they from different places? Um, and those are all things that, I mean, I'm kind of excited about, like, what does that look like at the end? Um, and I hope there's something exciting to talk about. I think that there will be, but that is a good, um, a good point about all of the, the new stuff and seeing who you are able to touch for sure. Are you seeing numbers wise, are you seeing less, more? around the same level of people at this time? Like we're, what are we, less than a month away? So that's a different different game changer too for us. So it uh, creates a whole level of, I guess, uh, nervous energy. Um, typically people have been registering in advance, they're making their travel plans, all those things, right? Well, you don't need a book ahead to sit in your office or at home for an event. Clearly you probably want to block it in your schedule, I would hope. So people tend to register last minute and we luckily we've heard that, we've learned it. It's not like an NPMA or pest control thing. It's just virtual meetings. People will register last minute. So at like two weeks out instead of, you know, six or eight weeks out. So it, it just makes it a little nerve wracking, but the vendors are signing up and getting moving. We do have, um, I think just in the flash sale we did, I think it was last week, feels like weeks ago and we had 500 people register so I mean so we're getting people in it and that was the objective is not just to say hey we want to give you a good discount obviously we did 
but it was more to say, get the energy, get people excited about and talking about like, yeah, I'm going, let's, you know, are you going and getting people kind of engaged in the conversation, getting the conversation moving in a direction where people are signed up is important. Yeah. And early bird registration uh, uh, ends the end of this week on uh, September 25th, uh, early bird registration. So after that, you'll see a significant increase. And I think that is the problem with virtual is like, even in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. There's no rush to book it. You know, I had, I had to cancel. I didn't buy a flight, but I, re I got a room. So when it went full virtual, I did go on in time to not lose money, thankfully. But that, that's, th those are the deadlines in your head. I have until, I know Pest World was canceled, but I didn't cancel my room right away because I knew I had X amount of time. So mm -hmm. it is even for us with, with our virtual experience, we, we experienced similar stuff like two days before we had everybody, oh yeah, I'm going, and they registered. Mm -hmm. so it, is, uh, it is a new world. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap? Well, we, I think we, you know, we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, uh, your support of NPMA, support of the New York Association. For years, you guys have been leaders up there. And, uh, and we're really looking forward to, to getting together again so that we can, uh, we can actually, uh, you know, see each other, you know, shake some hands and, and uh, you know, create some new memories in the future. And that's a lot of what these meetings are, are about. So we appreciate the opportunity to get on here. Good to have you. Yeah, thank you. It was so nice to see you and uh, looking forward to the day in person. But um, anything we can do for sure, let us know and let folks know if they have questions, um, anything. We are here and ready to answer and serve and make sure people um, get the best experience possible. Yeah, and all the stuff that Dominique and I have been talking about, you know, there's a, a ton of stuff going on at Pest World this year. That website is pestworld2020.org. Mm. Um, so if Great we point. can communicate that, pestworld2020.org um, is the place to register, see all the education, see what states have, have approved, what credits, you know, all that kind of stuff is there. So check that out. And that's, that's the, if people have questions about the podcast, is that the best place to go? Or is there like an info or something? pestworld2020.org that's a fully built out website just for pestworld but if there is an email we have a general house email npma at pestworld.org and it will get directed to everybody and we'll you know determine get, oh. them, get, get them the information they're looking for and a psa just kind of how this um started was through me sending dominique all, all of the fake pestworld emails <laughs> so everybody listening, just make sure you're paying attention who's asking you for your information and what they want to send you. And if it's not from Pest World or you're not sure about it, just reach out to them and say, hey, did you guys send this? Because um, we've, all, we've all gotten caught uh, with phishing scams and whatnot. And uh, I don't know, I think I've sent Dominique about five in the past two weeks just saying, I don't know if this is legit. And none of them have been. So just a public service announcement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and just to add to that, we, we do not sell, we don't provide, we don't give the list of our members out. So um, if you're a vendor at a show, you'll get a list of attendees for that show. Um, but yeah, that is something we get all the time and just trying to reiterate, like we, we don't provide lists. So if somebody's trying to sell you something, I don't know what they're selling, if, it, if they're selling or if it's just a complete scam, but it's not legit. So, and certainly uh, we, we are not going to be doing that. Yeah. So thanks, Joe, for reminding. Reach out me. if there's yeah if there's any any question about it. Just reach out. We'll let you know.
All right. So once again, Joey Buns, Colony Confidential. I just want to thank Dominique Stumpf and Jim Fredericks from NPMA for coming on today. It was a great interview. I hope we were able to answer everybody's questions that text us or emailed us or DM'd us some questions, plus some of our own questions that we came up with. I hope this gives everybody a bigger picture on Pest World, and I hope to virtually see everybody at Pest World. Good. Mr. Miss America, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. We've been fortunate today. We've been interviewing Jim Fredericks and Dominic Stump from National Pest Management Association. We've learned a few things. We had a few laughs, and we're looking to the future. You know what they say, got to turn adversity into advantage. Mr. and Ms. America, all the ships at sea. Until we meet again, God bless you.